Alrighty, welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-hosts, calling in all the way from Charm City, baby, my pal Odell. Odell, what is happening? We're here. What's up, man? Happy uh, New Year. <laughs> Feels like it, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Trump has been ordained the Emperor of Earth and the new Messiah, so that's oh, goodness. The yeah, you King know. of Israel or whatever he's going off about today. Um, so that that helps us with our launch. I I feel like now I know what the rock feels like, so because I'm so fucking charged up, I feel like going. Can you smell what Saucy's cooking? There you because go. Because it's such there a big deal. Are you hyped? Are you it feeling really it? Is. Yeah, man. No, I'm excited. I, I, I think I, I, I got more excited after you know I saw the the way the website was coming. I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah, this is this is real. This is this is happening. Speaking of website, podcasts, all of that, it would be impossible without our magnificent D yeah. Maven, our producer. D is lurking <laughs> back there, making us sound Vida Sassoon good. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely doing my very best. Um, yeah, although I have to say, I, I appreciate all the help that you've given me on the website this time. It, um, you know, it's just one of those things. You beat your head against the keyboard and eventually something works. So, Like a I thousand like monkeys typing on a yep. thousand typewriters for a thousand years? One of those motherfuckers are going to come up with Hamlet just randomly yep. at some point. <laughs> so I just came up with fucking musicalosmosis.com, y'all. Now, go. let me ask you this, because we've launched a new website. Tin Can Media went dark yesterday. After yes. three years, I put up a little RIP thing for it. Today, mm. we've launched, done a soft launch for Musical Osmosis. You guys will be hearing this Saturday when we actually launch. Is this the last time you're building a website for me? Is this a deal breaker if I ask you to build another one two or three years up the road? I will tell you to hire someone to do it. Probably. I'll be like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, after you have like nine kids and you're just done birthing babies. Yeah, you're like, fuck it. I don't want to breastfeed anymore. This isn't worth it. So, you know. So your work is job. complete then is what you're saying. Yep. Uh, oh. Yes. Now I'm going to focus on my own stuff. I'm going to do a video series on um, everything that I go through, like everything um, to get bariatric weight loss surgery. Um, from beginning to goal weight. Oh, wow. So, Very nice. Yes, I'm we will be on, on that, that journey together. I mean, I'm not getting the surgery, yes. but I'll be right there with you. Also, I want to dedicate this episode as we launched a new site to my cousin Pete. I, I think I may have said this on a previous episode over the summer, but we've gone, been gone for a while. My cousin Pete died tragically. Let's not say tragically, because everyone knew it was coming. Needlessly. Um, right. All alone, he was. His, they didn't even find his body for about a week and a half. It was so um, decayed that you couldn't yep. even um, identify it by the tattoos. That's. I, I don't want this to start off morbid. But the point he, is, check on your friends, y'all, because people need you sometimes. He died of a death of despair, which is common mm -hmm. in this country now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's becoming more common, and, uh, and that's a, that's a scary thing. But let's let's kind of shift to some good stuff. I just wanted to put out some good vibes. And you know, Odell, when um, the biggest firework went off, 
at the Fourth of July party at April's, and it was the one I dedicated to Pete. And Sean was like, yeah. "Man, dude, that one was huger than the grand finale." And I said, "Yeah, I think Pete brought us all together because that was like taking mm-hmm. a time machine ten years in the past. That party at April's, right? Just right. the yeah, vibe, was- playing shoe, everybody that was there. Yeah, it was it was a really good time. That whole, I mean, because of course it started off with uh, with this with this funeral, then ended with the party. So it was uh, it was very fitting." That uh, back at um, April's dad's, or was, was the last way. time you were down in St. Mary's at April's dad's house? Um, it had been a couple years. I think the last time we were there was may have been one of the last times you guys were there. Um, I know we didn't have Lola. Uh, it was just Lily and Linus. So that's taking it back a little bit. Yeah, it was a good time. All right, let's talk about the mm-hmm. new website. D, what is that new web address? Much easier than our old web address because it's standard. <laughs> It is. You just have to go to musicalosmosis.com. Look at that. Look at that. How easy is that? How we... easy my brother could do it. Who couldn't exactly. navigate our old site and would call me and be like, I don't understand what buttons to push. Yep. Uh, please be, well, I was going to say, please be patient for anybody who's checking it out. Um, if I don't have the mobile views all pretty and perfect, perfect just yet it's just because i haven't finished that yet so sorry um but i'll be working on that too get that nice updated and you'll be able to listen to all your favorite podcasts and watch all your favorite videos um on musicalosmosis.com and read reviews of different bands and their albums and eventually you'll be able to have kind of a one-stop shop you'll be able to check out what bands that you love are playing and where they're playing and all that it's gonna be great yes hopefully this is our home now Yes. I'm, making, I'm, I'm making this our home now. I just want to focus on music and doing the work for William, which that's going to be winding down, jumping on with the rabbit hole. Let's let's do this, put out good vibes, and put out a really good music product because it's all about the yeah. weaponized creativity. Right, kids? That's it. That is mm-hmm. it, man. All right, before we get filling here, D, tell us who we got coming up for the next few shows. Odell, I know you won't be here for the next two shows, but you will be here next month for Skating Polly and Pale Hound. Definitely. Which is good because Skating Polly happens to be on my regular rotation right now. I finally um, got yeah. her into two bands, Apollo's Son and Skating Polly, after years yes. of Yes. <laughs> yeah, Skating Polly well, is really good. Yeah, but I think most of the reason that I like Apollo's Son is because I really like Billy as a human being. Um, and I, his lyrics are very, they're from a very real place for the most part. So I'm like, I, I instantly, that nurturing thing in me comes out and wants to jump. Um, but yeah, coming up on musicalosmosis.com, uh, we're going to have Dave Dalton from Die Laughing Records, uh, Zarina, Killy Mayo from Skating Polly. Kelly. A, sorry, Kelly. Um, and Ellen Kempner from Palehound. Are coming up Indeed. And, yeah. and we're also recording a bonus episode tonight with weird paul he's so weird <laughs> we're gonna get off the wall with weird paul all righty our very first guest is from a band that had a huge impact on me as a kid from ignorance to heal sacred reich's hard driving music perfectly showcased their politics and social views while somehow keeping the tone of the band fun and also accessible to all walks of life across the heavy metal universe we are speaking now with what i consider to be the metal's first wook musician mr phil <laughs> rind Phil, what wow. is up? 
Wow, that was some intro. That was some introduction. I don't. I don't even know how to live up to all that. I hope I don't disappoint you. Thank you. I worked like seven minutes on that introduction. No, it sounded like it. I was. I was really impressed. I even started to think I was pretty cool there for a second. You are pretty cool, Phil. You had a huge no impact way. on me as a kid. Um, I want to thank you first. Let's get this out of the way. Thanks for calling in. You are actually the first guest. This is episode 85, but you are the first guest on our new musical yeah. osmosis website. Sweet. So crack I'm, that champagne bottle. There you go. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get one out of the fridge, a bottle of cristal that I always keep on hand. Nice. You are christening <laughs> our episode for us. Oh, that's funny. Also, um, I want to give you a big shout out too, and I mean this, man. The song 31 Flavors as a kid, I was a very like metal uniform guy when I was a kid. And I've told this story on air before. We went on this field trip and we're like the headbangers are in the back playing metal the whole time. And some kid was like, Can we play something else? And he put on like doing the butt. If you remember that song, like doing the butt. And I was yeah. like, turn that shit off. I hate it. And then I got turned on to you guys and heard 31 Flavors. And I mean this, man. It totally shifted my perspective. And I'm like, man, I'm being a closed-minded fucking asshole. So I want to thank you for writing that song. You're welcome. I mean, that, that's, uh, that was really the purpose. You know, it was funny. When we would go on tour, um, I would make mixed cassettes, uh, you know, for uh, in between oh, wow. the bands. And I would play, like, you know, a Slayer song, a Metallica song, and then, like, um james brown and then it would be like megadeth anthrax uh red hot chili peppers and nino our sound our old sound guy used to get stuff thrown at him and everyone would get mad at him <laughs> and he would say go complain to phil he was the one that made the thing so uh you know we've always liked all kinds of music so and and i think uh it's important to listen to all kinds of music so and I agree now, but in my like 15-year-old adolescent mind, I didn't really get that until I heard that song. And then I was like, man, I need yeah. to broaden my perspective. And that's when I started letting like the suicidal tendencies seek in and the MODs and the L7s and the DRIs. And I really started to expand to where yeah. I'm just in a music enthusiast across the board now. Yeah. I mean, I went through the same thing when I started getting into Slayer and Metallica. I took like all my zeppelin and judas priest and scorpions records and sold them you know at the record store and <laughs> i had to go back you know like if it's not slayer metallica it sucks you know and uh i had to just go back and rebuy everything but we uh, buy yeah. everything yep. yeah funny the tunnel vision we have as kids right odell oh i know man and it's funny that phil said that because i'm doing that now so i'm going back in albums that i either as you would say, slept on or or just didn't think about. Now I'm going back and, and getting those albums, either uh, downloading them or buying the vinyls. And um, it's amazing. I'm like, how did I miss this? Or how did I sleep on this? Or why, why did I ignore this album, you know, when I was younger? But you never know. I think it's something with age and, you know, growing up and then going back and you're like, wow, I, you can appreciate a lot of different things as you get older. Absolutely. I agree. And let me kind of shift gears here. I always like to tell the artists when I have them on the show for the first time how this came about. So I'll tell you a quick story. A few months ago, I was on YouTube clicking around and I listened to a lot of punk and different type of music now. And I was like, man, dude, I haven't heard Sacred Reich in a while. Let me go ahead and check them out on YouTube and kind of relive those days. And I was listening to The American Way and I was like, dude, if they like release this song today and put it up online, it'd probably get a bunch of fucking hate and all this bullshit. 
And then I ran across, I didn't know you guys had gotten back together in 2007. And I saw Don't Do It, Donnie. And I listened to that. And I was like, oh, boy, I got to go over to their Facebook now and see the comment thread. And, of course, the comment thread's like, oh, Snowflake, Lift Hard, just shut up and play music. Are you surprised that from 96 when you were playing Heel and now you're putting an album out now, how much the metal community... I mean, when I was young, like 98% of the metal community was liberal, and it was the parents who were conservative and the evangelical right that was trying to ban lyrics and bands and stuff. Are you surprised that like half the metal community now is like really conservative and hardcore Trump people? Well, I would, I don't know if it's half of the people. I just think there's a, a very vocal minority. I, you know, I mean, if, if we're talking bigger in, in a bigger um, view, you know, the people that voted for him, what percentage of Americans are they? It's pretty small. So true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's certain sites that you expect certain comments on. And then like on our pages, on our own pages, I think it's mostly fans. So it's mostly positive stuff, but of course there's going to be people in there that aren't going to agree with what you say. And it would be foolish to think that everyone was going to like your stuff anyhow, but, but, this is question, a- but to your question, I am surprised especially from our fans that are familiar with the band. Like, how could you be surprised of our point of view if you've ever paid attention to anything that we've done over our career? Exactly. Um, I also see comments from people saying, look, I don't agree with you, but I like the music and that's fine. You know, and I think people can believe whatever they want. You know, uh, if you like the band, you like the band. If you used to like us and now you don't like we, we don't it doesn't matter to us. It's not going to stop us from doing what we think the right thing to do is and saying how we feel about things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. people, I I see all kinds of comments. Oh, you'd be smart not to talk about this stuff. You'll alienate half your audience. And I just disagree. There's some bands that are apolitical and they're entertainment and they just keep it light and that's fine. There's other bands that won't get into these type of things because they don't want to alienate people. And they want to be able to sell records and merchandise to everybody. And we just don't care. I mean, it, that's it's, our, our thing. Our thing was always to do what we think is best and let the chips fall where they may. We know we're not going to stop and think about what people might think about what we're going to say, because it's just not how we do things. And that's one of those things that I've, I've noticed at, at your shows is that you, you, you talk the talk and you walk the walk. So like, when you come, you're like, hey, look, we're here together. We're in this together. Um, you know, I, leave the petty stuff somewhere else because, you know, there's so much more that is, you know, that is out there that are, that's happening that, you know, just this little thing that's going on is, 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 take, is basically the talk when there's so much other craziness going on out there. And, and and I like the way that you express that. Like you know, we're here. We're we're one. We're one people, and we're here to enjoy music. And we're here, and we need to get over these differences. And I and I really respect that. Yeah, I mean, I I really believe that we are exactly the same in in all the most important ways. And and there are superficial differences, and there's people with different point of views, certainly, but. Ultimately, if we got past all the superficial stuff and the and the sort of judgments that we make because we're conditioned in a certain way, um, 
we would realize the truth and the truth is we're all interconnected. We all interconnected. We all count on each other, man. And, yeah. And then and, and the world. And, and if we just made a small change as far as putting other people first and caring and living our life through love and compassion instead of mm-hmm. um, fear and hate, like the whole world could change overnight to the way that we would all like to see it. And it's yeah, just a small change. Yeah, we're being shoveled like just all this garbage 24-7 on news cycles and on social media. It's hard to escape. Everything's political. I have groups that I belong to that don't have anything to do with politics, like weird movies, and someone will post a movie and then it'll turn into a political thing. It's just hard to escape that gravity, that event horizon. I mean, there's a McDonald's on every other corner, but if you don't eat it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. If you watch the news and you don't really... Listen, I don't think there's like really bad people out there. I think there's people who aren't paying attention, who are uh, um, misinformed or underinformed. And, you know, to your point, when you're talking about how much, you know, how much propaganda there is, let's just say propaganda. Um, And it's out there for a reason. It serves a purpose. But if you can really pay attention and see past that stuff, then it has less of an effect. But I don't want to blame other people. You know, I don't want to say, well, it's this fault or that fault. Ultimately... It's our lives and the choices that we make uh, are the totality of our lives. And it's up to us. It, no one's coming to save us. We need to save ourselves and we can't blame other exactly. people. And, and we have the capability within ourselves to, to think about things in the right way, to do the right things. It's just up to us to find the way to do it. That is very wise. All right, let's shift away from the politics. I want to talk about something else as far as you guys putting a new album out for the first time. What has it been 23 years, right? Yeah. Technologically wise, because you've got online distribution, social media, all these different factors coming in. When you when you guys went into the studio and to start working on this album, were you a little bit intimidated by the way technology has changed so much since Heal? Or were you guys like charged up and ready to tackle this new, like brave new world digital age that we're in? Yeah, I mean, we're not intimidated by anything because ultimately, regardless of all the stuff going on around, it's still four guys in a room playing music and how it gets disseminated out to the people. It's just the way things are today. You know, going in the studio, like we used to record like, you know, the 24 track into tape machines. We had never made a record in the digital age and last time we made a record there was no cell phones i mean obviously things have changed quite a bit but you know all this technology is available to us in the studio but we didn't want to rely upon it you know we didn't we we barely use a fraction of the stuff that's available because we wanted to make a record in the ways that we've always made records and have real sounds without you know all the triggering and all the sound replacement and all the digital tricks that that are available it just wasn't that interesting to us and how did you go about uh i know um dave mcclain came back so how, how did that all spawn was that just from the time off uh, or was it one of those things you guys just started talking or you always been talking and he felt the time was right to come back and play or how did that go come about well when we split with craig you know we had to figure out what we we're going to do for a drummer and uh, it's, a, it's a it's 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 a big role, and um, you know I just sent Dave a message and said give me a call, and he called, and I said well Greg's not in the band anymore, and he said I want to do it, I want to do the record, I want to do the tour, 
Nice, and nice. it was, you know, you know, the machine head record wasn't even out yet, you know, um, and they had a lot of touring ahead of them. And I said, what's right. it going to look, what's it going to look like? He said, well, we'll be touring for a year, year and a half. You know, we decided it was okay to wait, you know, we'd already waited 22 years. What was another year? And then we figured, <laughs> and we figured when Dave was done, you know, touring with them, he would come make the record we were touring. And then he would just go back and do the next machine head record. But, you know, as things progressed, he decided he didn't want to be in the band anymore. And he just left and joined us. So uh, we couldn't wow. be more excited. He's an incredible drummer and a great guy. Yeah, and, and it's just been wonderful having him back in the band again. And here's something else, too. I was watching Manifest Reality, that video. And you guys <laughs> yeah. haven't put videos out in a while. I mean, you just you did Awakening and Manifest Reality. And one thing that struck me is how relevant you guys still are and how modern your creative voice still is. And there's a lot of cats who come back after a long time, and you've been or still playing music, but as far as writing something new, and they kind of don't understand where the world is today. But when I watched that video, I was like, man, Sacred Right still fucking gets it. And that was what I walked away from was watching that video. It's like, this is very modern, very slick, and very contemporary to today's society. I think, bravo, you guys still get it after all this time. Well, well, I wish we could take credit for it, but we can't because that video was the brainchild of the director, Mark Pellington, who also directed the Awakening video. He also Mm -hmm. directed Independent for us. He directed Low for us. He's been wow. a, he's been a, a very close friend of ours since since we did Independent in 1993, and wow. he's a, a incredibly famous video director. He's done yes, he is. You know, I mean, he did Pearl Jam, Jeremy. He did. Yep. He worked with Bruce Springsteen, U2. I mean, the biggest acts on the planet. And he's also a film director. He's made a bunch of feature films. He's an incredibly talented person, and we're lucky to call him a friend. So when I sent him the record and I said, you know, we kind of want videos for these songs. And he was just like, manifest reality, manifest reality. That's the song that does it for me. And I really want to create something interesting and different. And I have an idea about choreography. And there's this woman I want to work with. And we're like, yeah, man, just go for it, Mark, you know. And, uh, and that's what he did. And when we got the video, we, were, we weren't even in the video. <laughs> and, we were just, and we were just like, wow, it was you know, it was definitely something. And I knew people were probably going to either love it or really be like, what? Oh, <laughs> and, I love it, man. It is yeah. And I think, idea. and I, I think people have a strong reaction to it one way or another. And, um, I think it's wonderful and I think it's different and I think it's beautifully shot. I mean, it's, it looks gorgeous. And, and, uh, Mark did it and this, uh, this woman, uh, Anne Evelyn Lawford was a director of photography he brought her over from England, you know, specifically to work with her because he loved her work. And uh, we we were just very fortunate to be able to work with such creative and great people. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of old school bands who aren't modernized would stand in the way of that, get that and be like, what, what am I looking at? I want some motorcycles and stripper poles. And you guys uh, have moved maybe. so into this century. <laughs> like I said, hats off to you. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, uh, it's mostly just Mark, you know, that we were lucky to have somebody like that. And we just had to stay out of the way. I think a lot of times, see, when we were making the record, too, um, with Arthur Risk, you know, um, 
we I would laugh when we were recording. I said you came along at the right time because twenty years ago we wouldn't have listened to anything that you said. We wouldn't have listened to any of your suggestions or input or any of that stuff. We thought we knew better, and now I think that we're older. We we know, you know. I think the older you get, the less you know, or maybe just the less you're certain of. And you take things in stride, and you let people have their input. And it, you're stronger because of it. You know, there's that there's that phrase, "Many hands lighten the load." And you're better off letting, if you have a nice group of people that work with you, letting everybody do their thing and have their peace. I agree. All right, let's talk about the new album, Awakening which is on sale this Friday, the 23rd. By the time everyone hears this, it'll be Saturday the 24th. I'm going to ask the most generic, obvious question. Why after 23 years? Why now? Because uh, we have new songs. I mean, this whole time, we just didn't have any songs. That's why we stopped playing. You know, we made Heal, and then we didn't have any material for a new record, and our lives were changing and it just seemed that the band was over. And that even when we started playing again in 2007, everybody always asked, um, you know, are you going to make a new record? And the answer was no. And the reason was we didn't have any new songs. And I don't know, something changed and the songs came back. The first song that we wrote was uh, Divide and Conquer. and Which is my favorite. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. Thank you. So that was the first song we wrote. And, you know, then we were all pretty excited that we, you know, here we are and we're going to, the the creative juices are flowing again and we're going to make a record. And it was a little overwhelming, you know, um, and just really exciting. And we're really happy with how the songs came out and how the record came out. And the whole process was incredible. And yeah, it's, everything's going really great. We couldn't be happier. Did you write Divide and Conquer thinking, okay, I'm writing a song, we're going to start working on a new album? Or did you get three or four songs that go, man, dude, we're on a writing spree. I think we need to put a new album together. Well, I think Divide and Conquer really just broke the ice. And then it was just, okay. it started coming after that. You know, and then just speaking with Metal Blade and just saying, yeah, I think it's time. We're going to make a record. And they were totally into it. So, yeah, you know, everything just happened very naturally. Um, it all feels like it makes sense and happen the way it's supposed to. And we went through a lot to get here. You know, the last 20 years of our lives, there's been a lot of changes in our lives and, you know, and splitting with Greg and Jason not being in the band anymore. And, right. you know, there was a lot of ups and downs and trials and tribulations, a lot of heartbreak. And, but it, we had to go through all of it, you know, to get to where we were today and where we are today is, I feel like we're the strongest band we've ever been. We've made the best record we've ever made. And uh, that's pretty exciting. And we're we're pretty um, thankful, you know, to be able to be here right now. Well, let's finish up with the live show. When you guys are playing live right now, are you playing pretty much the whole album? Or are you just kind of giving them those nuggets of awakening and manifest reality and waiting for the album drop to play those songs live? Well, uh, on the last tour that we just did, we did two weeks in Europe. On the headline sets, uh, I think, how many songs were there? About 13 songs. And I think we're playing four new songs. So... So that's pretty, you know, for records that's not even out yet. So I think playing four new songs is pretty good. I've watched a couple uh, videos, uh, well, a couple of your live uh, concerts on uh, YouTube. Um, the, the the there was a thirty minute one that you did at a really small venue, which was awesome, by the way. And um, 
and the energy for those songs were, was was uh, was quite impressive. That you know, they, you're like, hey, this is a new song, boom, you hit it, and then and everybody was just as amped for that song as they were for any of the other songs. So that's got to be that's got to uh, feel really good as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been playing the new song. We we toured. Uh, we did a month tour in May, and we're playing two new songs. And like I said, we've just been playing four new songs. And the response has been great. It was funny. One night we were playing in this little club in Germany and there's a guy in front and he was singing the new song so loud. Like I, I couldn't believe I could. Oh, wow. He was so, he was so loud. And I'm like, wait, does he even know these songs? Like, <laughs> you know, but, but, That's you know, amazing. And, okay. And I'm like, look, manifest reality. Okay. If you watch the video, you know, the words, it's not, you know, the chorus is pretty straight ahead. Right. An awakening too. Sure. But, Divide and Conquer is not out. And he was singing that, although, you know, after you hear the chorus once, I think you pretty much get the idea. And it was funny when we, you know, you're saying how that was one of your favorite songs. It's funny when that, when we wrote that song, I thought it's a little different for us. We, we never really had a song that repeats a chorus over and over again like that. It's such a driving song. And I, you know, I've got the album already. And I was like, man, which song am I going to use? And then when I went through and started listening to it, and I listened to the album like 20 times. I was like, Divide and Conquer is the one that really, really mm-hmm. sticks out. That yeah. song is like an anthem song to me, especially with what's going on in this country right now. So that's the song that spoke to me, at least. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that song a lot. I like I like Manifest Reality a lot, and uh, I like Salvation a lot too. That's, really that's like my that favorite. Song. That's my favorite song is Salvation. I love yeah, that. I, really, I love the message really behind like it. it. Yeah. So what we're saying is everybody needs to check out this new album. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, and I think I think there's something. I think there's a you know there's a lot of fast heavy parts, but I think there's other things on there too, and. It's funny, um, my sister-in-law, who, who I wouldn't consider a big metal fan, you know, she's like, God, I really like um, Death Valley and Something to Believe. And I was like, yeah, nice. cool, you know. So I, I think there's stuff on there for, for everybody. And, and it just kind of worked out that way, you know. So uh, we're excited. We just want to go play the music for everybody. And we just want everybody to hear it. And, you know, we're just going to tour our butts off and then, you know, just go make another record and keep going. Let me finish up with this. When you're playing these new songs live, because it's not a song you've played a million times, is the energy level different or are you just so captured by the music and so into it that it kind of all is the same energy level or when you are feeding new songs to the audience who are obviously hungry for it, is it amping it up to a point where it just totally feels different than playing, you know, surf Nicaragua for the 900th time? Yeah. Um, there's definitely a freshness to it. And, um, the other thing that's funny is when we play certain songs and we've played them so many times, I kind of know what I do in different parts and I'm still trying to figure out, you know what we're doing in the songs as far as you know does it does that make sense like certain songs lend themselves we don't have a lot of experience of playing the songs like you know there's certain songs that we know in this part we kind of all you know it 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 asks for us to just headbang together in this part it's just like we know like it's what happens when that part in the song comes up and these songs are still new and we're developing how we play them live as far as what we're individually uh, yeah. tuning. Do you know what I mean? Like yep, we're yep. sorting it out. What 
what are the songs telling us? What are the songs asking us to do? So it's just developing. All righty. We got to get you out of here, Phil. I could talk to you for the next hour. But before we get you out the door, first, I want to thank you for calling in. Yes, like I man, said, you are our inauguratory guest, our first guest since we've launched the Musical Osmosis website. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and thanks for having me. But before you get you out so the much. door, tell everybody where we can find you online and what you got coming up. Where are you playing around the country over the next couple months? Okay, so the record comes out uh, August 23rd, and then we'll be hitting the road for two months with Guar. So we'll be yeah. all, over, all over the U.S. For, uh, starting September. We, we play some headline shows, so we start September 10th in Memphis, and then uh, we're in North, which tour kicks off in Norfolk, Virginia with Guar. And then oh, wow. That's going to be, yeah, that's gonna be had, sick. Yeah, it's going to be great. So it's Guar, Sacred Reich, Toxic Holocaust, and Against the Grain. Oh. So it's going to be epic. And then we head back to Europe for five weeks um, headlining, and we're taking Night Demon with us because they're awesome. And then oh. next year, we're going to Australia, New Zealand, and Japan with uh, violence, us and violence together. And then we're going to go down to South America and do some shows with DRI. And then keep going, U.S., Europe, U.S., Europe, and then uh, go make another record. Uh, Is Europe still more like metal enthusiasts than America was? I remember in the 80s, I used to get Kerrang! magazine because it was such a better magazine than like Circus Circus or Metal Blade. Do you, do you feel like that things have evened out? Or do you feel like well, Europe is still the like standard bearer when it comes to metal audiences? Well, I, I just think it's different. You know, they metal never. There's such a mass market culture in the U.S. that doesn't really exist on the same level over there. They obviously have pop bands and all that stuff, but the the United States is such an enormous country. It seems like. That you need to have a lot of money and influence and all these things to break through on a major level. Where when you're going from country to country in Europe, it's like almost going from state to state in so many ways. Um, and there's always just been a big support of metal. And touring over there is much different than touring over here. And at least like on our level, it's it's just different the way the promoters treat you, um, the way the clubs are set up. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a lot different. It's you know, and I think, you know, across Europe, there's a lot of support for the arts and for culture, you know, and the countries support it and, and put money towards it and and, and help um, and make it important. So um, I think there's a lot more support from the top down um, than in the U.S. That's fair enough. Yeah. I, I, one of the things on my bucket list is to go see a metal show in Europe. I would love to. Do yeah, that. you, you got to go over like in the summer. And just hit a couple of festivals. It's just an amazing experience. And just you know, bring a raincoat and some rubber boots because it's just a mud fest. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days at Wilmer's. All right, Phil. Thanks so much for calling in. This was a huge treat for me. Yes, man. Thank uh, you so much. It's my pleasure speaking with you. Sweetness fades 
am not a bad man Compared to the injustice you've survived I tell you you're my equal I know we have a lot of bands on yes. here from my punk days, which I didn't start listening to punk probably until 22, 23 years old. But it's very rarely I actually get a band in here that I was listening to when I was 15. Imagine my fragile little adolescent mind, how it was molded by Sacred Reich. Well, that's the thing. It's like I was so like for me when I got into like punk music, it was I, I was a little older. So I was uh, like 17, 18, leaving high school, going into college. but. Sacred Reich, like Anthrax, um, all of those bands I, I was into earlier. So it's it's funny how that it's just – but when you would go to those shows, you would just see as many punk people. I remember seeing – I was like, I didn't know those bands, but I was like, oh, I know that – I've seen that T-shirt before or I've seen those buttons before or whatever. They would all be at those shows, DRI or whatever. So, or Suicidal. Um, they were one of those good yeah. crossover bands. I mean, you're not going to see a lot of punk guys at Warrant or Winger. No. <laughs> but you would see them at Sacred Reich. Yes, 
Because they had a political message, and punk is a politically and socially charged form of music and expression. Definitely. Definitely. But it was just good to talk to somebody. I don't, that might have been like, I might have been into Sacred Reich before any other band we've had on the show. Oh, wow. Really? When you think about it, maybe Warrior Soul? Maybe? I don't know. It's it's in that, it's definitely in that pocket. All right, we got to get the next guest in here. D, are we ready to get the next guest in? Yes. All righty. Our next guest exudes style and grace. Her music is haunting. Her lyrics are thought-provoking. Her cello will resonate deep within your soul. A true performer in every sense of the word that is bright, brilliant, and completely badass. Erica Mulkey, also known as Unwoman. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you. That introduction was uh, a beautiful work of art. <laughs> Absolutely. I worked on the first introduction because Phil said the same thing for seven minutes, but I worked on your introduction for nine minutes. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Um, first, let me thank you. Got to do the primary, uh, preliminary. Thank you for calling in. You're actually our second guest ever on a new musical osmosis website. Wow. That's awesome. What an honor. Thank you. And whenever we have a new guest on, I like to tell the audience how we met and how the interview came to be. You were one of those rare people who I was not familiar with your music. And I don't know if you remember this. I actually met you a few months ago on Lee Presson's comic Lee thread. Yep. And we were joking awesome. about Dockers, of all things. <laughs> I don't in any way remember what we were joking about, but many jokes are had on, on Lee Presson's comments. Oh, yeah. Lee's a friend of the show, and I'm so glad I ran across you. And, like, the whole thing was very, like, it was, like, serendipity that we had met, and I talked to you, and I added you, and then I went and checked out your music, and I was just blown away. Because it's not the type of music that I usually listen to, but it is so badass on so many levels. Your music is what I always coin as weaponized creativity. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, and I mean it too. Like I, I was listening to your music, and I'm like checking out your whole vibe, and I'm reading the lyrics, especially because I'm a lyrics guy. And Odell knows this. My favorite artist is the Pissed because I think Al Pissed has like the best lunch pail punk rock lyrics. And you just <laughs> kind of dive into your world, and you could just see how you are dedicated to this craft. I mean, I, I suppose everybody yeah. said it's dedicated to it, but you can tell you have a level of dedication where you are pouring your soul into this thing. I, I don't really know where else to pour my soul, so I guess that's true. <laughs> All right, well, let's Thank talk about you. your origin story a little bit because I couldn't find Great. a whole lot about you. I know you've been playing cello since you were nine, piano since you were 10. I know you have a music degree in music um, composing, what is it, music composition, Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, a little bit to all the fans of who you are. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I started singing all the time when I was about three years old. And, like, uh, I would line all my stuffed animals up around the fireplace, and I would I would wear a little floofy, little floofy flip and just sing songs from Wizard of Oz. And then when I was six or seven, um, the teachers would put me up in front of the class, just in elementary school, and I would sing Madonna songs. Uh, which they thought was adorable. Um, and my parents got me cello lessons and, and piano lessons. And um, I was really fortunate to, you know, to live in places that had music programs um, in the public schools. So I really made the most of that. And when I was in high school, I went to um, 
community college nearby to study electronic music. And community college classes are very, very affordable. And I learned so much that it was just a huge, um, you know, a really big head start when I went to, um, to UC Santa Cruz. And then after that, I, I thought I would be a full-time musician right off the bat. And that did not happen. I had day jobs for a long time. But then uh, about 10 years ago, I, I became a full-time musician. And that's what I do now. Nice. And I know um, you've been playing cello. Everybody kind of predominantly knows you from playing the cello since you were nine. But actually, the first song I had read that you wrote was on piano, right? Yeah. I mean, I wrote, I, I don't think I was comfortably writing songs on cello until maybe like 15 years ago, probably. So, yeah, I wrote a lot of songs on piano. And it's still like, piano is still a really good instrument for you know, you throw down some chords and then, you know, put m- melodic and lyrics and things can kind of go on top of that. So, yeah, either either I, I can use either now, I guess, for songwriting. So here's the question. Do you remember the first song you wrote and do you remember how to play it? Wow. Yes. And did, did that song have a name? What was it about? Okay. When I was 13... I wrote a song called Found Yourself, which is not on any, it's not even on my like Juvenilia album, um, I don't think. And it's, it's like a minor one, major four riff in B minor, B flat minor, sorry, B flat minor. Mm-hmm. And I probably, I don't think, I, I think I would forget the bridge if I tried to play it, but I, but I can do the verse. You know, Adele, one of these days, and I was thinking about this when I was reading through Erica on Woman's History, is I really yeah. got to like, try to produce an album. Next time I get some kind of money together, I want to produce an album and ask artists to play the first song they ever play, but modernize it and put it on an album. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I but the modern version of the first thing <laughs> they ever did, ever, like even if you played on a ukulele at six, it would be like crazy. <laughs> To bring that yeah. into today, 20, 30, 40 years um, later, whatever the case may be, and modernize it and play it. Well, that was like one. Uh, I think I was watching something on Paul McCartney, and um, and I forgot who was interviewing him, and they asked him. So they went back to his old house that uh, he grew up in, and, and you know, they of course, they turned the house into like a, a, a little mini museum. And, uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is the piano that I played, and my dad was in the other room, and he was always mad at me because I was playing piano while he was trying to watch TV and stuff. But he was like, the uh, the narrator asked him, do you remember your first song? And he and he remembered it. And it was so funny because it was, it was a song that you're like sitting there and you're like, wow, I think everybody has a song like that. It was like, you know, talking about a girl that he <laughs> liked and, and it was really just straightforward. It had a little catchy hook, but it was just like, okay, all right, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's interesting. How you, you do remember your first songs a lot of times. Oh, my first was terrible. It was called Lady Danger, and I was in a band called Cat's Eye, a play off my last name. But I won't embarrass myself by talking about that. I there. Speaking of names, there's something I want to. I do want to talk to you about. Um, and I didn't notice until I started googling Unwoman and kind of reading articles and interviews and stuff. There is actually a term in the Hulu show Handmaid's Tale of an Unwoman. Yeah. And that term yep. means a woman who can't bear children or has no usefulness, can't please men, whatever the case may be. And I tried yep. to go beyond that, 
and I couldn't find that term prior to you. Did you come up with unwoman by yourself, or was that a term that was always kind of in the lexicon out there? Uh, so the Hulu show is based on a novel, and it's actually it's in that novel, um, and that's where I got it from. You're an so, avid reader uh, too, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. I love I love fiction, especially um, dystopias and sci-fi and fantasy. Hey, yeah, well, you don't have to read about it anymore. We're living it. No, I, well, the dystopia part, yeah, but the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like a little magic with my evil, you know. I, I feel like 1984 <laughs> fucking cliff notes now to the reality we're living in. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten that like that crazy out there. Um, yeah, I kind of, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, man, how cool would it be if Unwoman had some kind of connection with the Hulu show? If I mean, I really think you should make a cameo in that show, or do something on the yeah, soundtrack. Yeah. It seems well, like something yeah. that should happen. Yeah, so I mean, so I only watched the first the first season, but kind of the thing in, like, really emotional, pivotal scenes was there'd be a slow down either remix or cover of an 80s pop song and that's like that's my jam like i do so many slow oh, down yeah. like wannabe movie trailer covers like why am i not on here so i definitely definitely would have you know offerings for the soundtrack if nothing else and another thing too uh, kind of looking at your early history is you were one of the first people utilizing kickstarter you seem to be a very savvy person when it comes to the digital world. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm, any tool that I think I can use, and if, if I have time to try it out, uh, I do it. I, I never felt like I was the first, but I always had a friend, you know, a musician friend who was doing something, and I would, um, you know, see them succeed at it, and I'd be like, yes, that, I want to do that too. Um, like, my, my friends in strip mall architecture, which used to be called Hulu and are now called Hulu again, uh, they did a Kickstarter. They had one of the early, um, you know, invitation code things. And they did a really good, they they funded a novel with it. I was like, well, I'm going to try that too. So I did. And um, uh, my acquaintance, Kim Bookbinder, she had a, a subscription service before Patreon even existed. And she made really good use of that. So um, when Patreon came up, I was like, this is also great. And um, I actually met with someone at Kickstarter and I told them I was going to use Patreon and Kickstarter and kind of told them how I was going to do it because my, my whole thing was that I just don't want anyone to have to feel like they have to pay for something twice. Mm -hmm. But I want to offer people the flexibility of like, you only want to support a finished album or you only want to support my like, you know, day-to-day -day new stuff. And so people kind of have the option. So yeah, that was. And I think that's Patreon smart. Is, yeah, thank you. really smart. Yeah. And that's what that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like you're so savvy when it comes to that stuff, and it's no wonder that you're kind of supporting yourself on music for the past ten years, because you like a lot of people in the arts, myself included. Like there's lots of times I make bad business decisions because I follow my heart when I should be following my head. But you seem to <laughs> really have it down as far as knowing how to make business decisions, and that goes all the way back to the Kickstarter days. Thank you. Well, I think a, a big part of it is that I never, I mean, I never do anything that my heart thinks is a terrible idea. Um, you know, if someone come in and ask me to endorse, you know, an evil politician or, or a corporation, I'd say no. Um, and that would honestly, long term, that would actually be a smart business move too, because mm -hmm. I, I, 
I feel like my integrity, the fact that I know I have some amount of integrity makes me feel like I can actually um, ask my fans for money and like, you know, promote myself. So yeah, integrity is absolutely currency nowadays. Especially like yeah. when you go online and just see where people are at. But I'm not, I am fighting the urge to talk politics with you. Let's get back <laughs> to the music. I'm watching some of your YouTube videos and I've got to give you a shout out here. When I'm watching them, the thing that I noticed right off the bat on your live um, YouTube videos, you seem totally mesmerized when you're playing music. And I'm, as I'm watching you play, it just seems like you're almost in a creative trance. I'm assuming you don't really get that nervous while playing because you seem so at ease while you're up there on stage. Um, being on stage is, is like, I'm usually nervous for this first couple songs. And then as soon as I feel like the audience is happy to be there and, you know, they're listening to me and they like what I'm doing, I just totally relax. And I really just, and it feels, it feels like it's just me and the music and like whatever, you know, exactly good vibes <laughs> after that yeah it's like you're almost in your own world when i'm watching you play i'm like man this is a person who is absolutely just immersed in the moment i wish i could be immersed in the moment like you are uh it's pretty great i recommend it <laughs> yeah i don't do think i'm sorry oh, go ahead odell oh no problem do you think that that becomes because you're you're i mean you're primarily a solo or you're a duo so you are the main, is that something that you just, um, it's, some, it's, it's that thing that you just lock into because you know the focus is on you? You know, I, I, it is much easier for me to do when I'm playing alone. I, I love playing with other people too, but it's a completely different feeling. Uh, okay. And that's more of like a, you know, it's, it's more of like a shared, um, in some ways I'm more paying attention, but I'm less in a trance. You know, I, I think I think I think the me being being in a trance by the music is actually like a not a not bad um, assessment of it. But yeah, um, it's I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm alone up, up there. It makes it a lot easier. Gotcha. Another thing that's amazing yeah. about you too is I was looking through your band camp, I was looking through your catalog, and just out of this is how my mind works, just out of morbid curiosity, I was like, all right, you have four different cover albums out. Let me check some of the bands you're covering. You have more albums out than Nine Inch Nails, Talking Heads, George Michael. You actually have more albums out than some of the bands you're covering. You are such a prolific type of content creator. You just, you never stop. You're like a freight train when it comes to um, just kind of creating stuff. You don't ever take Thank like you. two years off to find yourself or anything? Well, uh, so... At the moment that I started my Patreon, I was kind of in the middle of an 18-month songwriting uh, drought. Wow. Okay. Uh, so for 18 months, all I could do was covers. And so for the first year of my Patreon, it was all just covers. And I was like, well, I have to keep making something. And that was what my Patreon originally was. It's, it's just covers. And if people only like my original music, they don't have to pledge to it and blah, blah, blah. And so I kept making covers, which kept my production skills and my singing, you know, home. And then I kept playing shows. Um, but I just, uh, I, I did take some time off to not write songs, but I can't really afford. I mean, I'm, I consider myself a working class musician. I have to be in, in many ways. I mean, I have some savings just cause I have to, but I, in terms of like what money I'm making and what I'm spending, I'm almost living paycheck to paycheck. 
So I really can't afford to, to not make things. And in some ways it's good and it pushes me. And in some ways it kind of, it like, it kind of sucks because um, I don't know if, if I took six months off, I would write in an album, an album in that six months or like just feel free to have the free time, you know, to be more creative and less like churning things out. On the other hand, I still like the music I'm making, even when I'm, you know, kind of cranking it out really fast. So I'm not really complaining. No, uh, I know with the covers though, the, um, like for example, had like a whole, it's, it's not like you're just making covers to make covers. That's a, it, it, when I first listened to that song, I'm like, how can this song be even more haunting than what, Trent Reznor That's a great created, point. and you made Thank it more you. haunting than than that. And I was just like amazed by that. Just the the, the just, just the change, the subtle changes in the music from going from one beat to just like a really different type of tone to going back. Yeah. Uh, um. So, do you take a while when you do those covers? Is it something that you really you're like, okay, if I'm going to do a cover, I'm going to make it yeah. my own. Yeah, and I I I definitely. I never make anything, you know, I never try to make a cookie cutter copy of the original because unless someone like hires me for for a commercial because they couldn't get the original artist and they wanted to sound exactly the same, that music doesn't need to exist in the world. You know, you don't need to have a, a Xerox of something. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, those bands have their, like, have their place, you know, at a, at a bar or whatever, like you might want to hear a tribute band. That's, that's awesome. But for recorded music, I just, don't think it makes sense so I always try to do something different and some some of my covers are more inspired than others some of them I'm like I might really really love a song but I'm kind of at a loss as to what to do really differently and sometimes I end up releasing those anyway on my Patreon even though I don't 100% love them I I do I do feel like Head Like a Hole is one of my more successful like I really it was when I added the cello that I was like okay it's it's found its spot it's got that super super lush you know, kind of exotic melody thing happening. Um, and I'm, and I, I felt really happy with it, but not all of my covers do I feel that happy with. Well, plus, um, had like a whole, is like a singular force, right? Because Trent Reznor yeah. wrote that pretty hate machine album himself. He plays everything on it. He produced it himself. So it's kind of like you're tackling something that was made for someone to tackle themselves just by the sure, brilliance of how it was written to start with and you do that song so well and like odell said i think that's an app word haunting but it's a haunting song to start with but adding that cello in definitely magnifies that oh thank you so much uh, yeah and i think other solo artists like trent reznor you know um they might resonate with my soloness in a particular way and i hadn't actually thought about that before but it makes sense Let's talk about the new album, Just Go Away, the upcoming album. Um, one, I want to kind of backtrack a little and ask you, how do you get over writer's block? What do you do to kind of break that? And two, going into this new album, when you go into a new album, I know when I used to write music, I used to like be like, oh, look through my albums, make sure nobody had a song with the same name. And I wanted to totally keep topping myself because that's just a competitive type of person I am. When you go yeah. into a new project... Are you like, I'm going to try to just do something totally different? Are you like, hey, I'm in the studio or I'm writing. I'm just going to be completely organic and let the music take me where it takes me. I I think in the past, what I've done for albums is I've just written a shit ton of songs over, you know, a couple years. And then I and then I feel like, well, this makes sense in this 
some in some kind of narrative flow way, this collection makes sense, and I'll order them in a way so it kind of makes sense. Um, but I was, I wasn't ever really. I think the thing that I'm thinking now for future albums is that I actually want a more consistent tone, and even if not like a necessarily um, a cohesive theme for all the songs, I do want to have. I don't know, things more connected. So I've written, um, for my, my next original album, I've written four or five songs that will be on it. And most of them have, uh, either a magical or a high fantasy kind of subtext to them. So, but I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if songs I'm going to write <laughs> after that are going to follow that, you know? So then I might make an EP. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I, um, I have done listeners wrong by not being more thematically consistent in the past and I want to do better. So you are kind of setting a little bit of an expectation while trying to leave room to leave it organic. Well, it's like, I can, I can write, I'm trying, I'm going to try to let myself write whatever song comes out of me. And I have a lot of, you know, I have like a notepad document on my Google Docs that I can throw whatever ideas into. Uh, and if it doesn't end up fitting on the album, I'll just, it'll just be a Patreon song, which is also fine because mm-hmm. those still give me money. All right. I wanted to talk oh. about Beauty Queen Autopsy. I love that project. Um, yes. We got to get out of here, but just real quick, playing solo versus playing in that project is there a huge difference as far as your comfort level, as far as, hey, I just would rather be on stage by myself? Are you pretty easy when it comes to pivoting between those two worlds? I loved, I, so it's been some years since I played with Beauty Queen Autopsy, but I loved it. And it felt pretty different because uh, I was singing solo. I was, I was just singing. I mean, I was just singing and Matt was playing, you know, the electronic music parts. And I was just up there being a saucy minx. And like, you know, singing about being a slut and it was awesome. And it's a very different. Yeah. And in some ways, like in some ways, that's just a different aspect of my personality than the aspects of my personality. Cause my unwoman songs are more serious. Yeah. Um, so it seemed less like both, work. It was more freeing. Yeah. 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 And, but in some, in some ways it's acting because I'm playing a different character, but in some ways it's like a very easy character for me to play. Cause I'm just like, you know, I'm a sexy bitch. So uh, they're, they're both <laughs> super fun. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with this. And I want to go back to the writer's block thing to talk about your lyrics. I personally am a lyrics guy. If if a song has the greatest tune on earth, toe tapping, booty shaking tune on earth, but the lyrics are absurd, I can't get into it. And I feel like anybody yeah. with a monicum of musical ability can write a catchy tune. But the meat and potatoes of a song is the lyrics I love your yep. lyrics, particularly on war stories. How much do you put emphasis on lyrics as opposed to the musical component? Are you more of a lyricist? Are you more of coming from a very composition background, more focused on the music? Tell me about that balance. And once again, let's talk about how do you break out a writer's block? Yeah, um, it is much, much harder for me to write lyrics that I'm happy with than to write music that I'm happy with. I can kind of sit down on my cello and just bust out something. I, with my looper, I can just throw something together that could turn into a song. 
at the drop of a hat. I don't often spend time doing that because I don't have lyrics to work with it. Like, um, and I'm not, I, I'm, yeah. So I'm not trying to be an instrumental artist. So like, if I can't finish lyrics for a song and I started a lot of songs, but maybe I get a verse and a chorus and I just cannot write any more verses. Some of those just get totally abandoned. Um, I wish I had a solution for writer's block. I feel like it's so dependent on my mood and I don't have, you know, I don't have the discipline of like, just write all the time. Uh, but when I do, you know, kind of force myself to just write notes or even just diary for a little while, that, that definitely gets things going um, a little bit. So I, would I say, know I, when I ahead. had writer's block back in my old band, even Steven, I wrote a song called punk song 17, which was our 17th song. And it was actually about writer's block. And the lyrics was like, I said, all there is to say, I wrote all the music. There is a play. I wrote this song just to prove I can still write a song for a punk rock band. And I just sat down yeah. and wrote the song about writer's block. And that's kind of how I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I should cover that song. <laughs> <laughs> cover it even, Steve. I'll send you the album. That would be amazing. We were just like a you know, three-chord punk band. Um, let's finish cool. up with this. Music video. I love your music videos. Haven't seen one in a while. Are you still making music videos? Or is your focus somewhere else? I want to, but um, they cost a lot of money in order to make them look mm -hmm. good. Um, the best, my best music videos were shot by um, a friend of mine named Gerald Ridenauer, who lives in LA. And... Um, he he shot and edited them for free for me and oh, wow. you know uh but that's a deal that i can't really um ask for him to do again so yeah. it's tough music video i don't think music videos are as great a promotional vehicle as they used to be for someone for someone who's not trying to be um uh, you know a, a major household name or a national act like i i would love to be more popular than i am but a music video doesn't I don't know that it would get me a lot of new dedicated listeners. So, but for your own personal benefit, it's kind of cool to have a music video to kind of see your lyrics come to life and the music come to life and how it's portrayed through the visual component. Mm -hmm. I'm overdue. I am overdue for one. And maybe I do have an idea, which is I would love to um, go to a forest in the night get like five of my friends to wear black cloaks and hoods and have some kind of lighting there and have a couple people with cameras come and just shoot me doing like a five song live set. Um, because then it would be like, a, you know, a beautiful place, but it would be the live energy and it wouldn't be trying to be, you know, choreographed or, you know, anything like that. So Please let idea. me know if you do that. I would love to be a part of yeah, something. Yeah, definitely. Heck yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We got to get you out of here. I can't thank you enough for making this launch episode special. Please yeah, tell all the kids so out much. there, where can we find you on the Google machine and what do you have coming up? Uh, if you look up Unwoman, that's my name on, on almost everything. And coming up, I've got, uh, I'm playing a pagan music festival in Lake County, California, September 12th through 15th, hexenfest.net. Wow. Uh, in Chicago. Yeah. In Chicago, September 27th, which is my birthday weekend. I'm playing All the right. Chicago Steampunk Expo, uh, chicagosteampunkexpo.com. Uh, October 12th in Sacramento, I'm playing the Sinister Creature Con After Party. 
And I'm also going to be joining American Murder Song for for some for their set as well as a solo set. Are you awesome. welcoming to labels like steampunk, or are you kind of like labels are not really my thing? I'm fine if I'm like kind of po- like put in that pocket, but that's not how I think of myself. I I don't mind people. I don't mind being labeled steampunk. Uh, you know, there's people who have prejudices against it, but I don't. I I think steampunks are lovely people. Yes, All righty, fair enough. That's a great place to end. <laughs> Thank you very much, Erica. It was a complete Thank delight. Thank you. Thank you so much. jump right in here the next guest is a fucking punk rock highlander 
He has contributed to so many great bands across the musical spectrum, from The Descendants to Cottonmouth Kings to Doug C. and The Blacklisted, and of course, Dag Nasty and Field Day, a true renaissance man of music, the musically multifaceted. Um, Doug Carrion is here. Doug, are you with us? What's up, man? How's everybody in the zeros and ones? What's going on, digital humans? How are we? <laughs> Doing great, man. Our digital How's humans it? are fine. I want to thank you for being the third guest ever on the first show ever on our new musical Osmosis website. Wow. Well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I hope I, I, hope I do it justice. Oh, I'm sure you will, man. I've been following yeah, you for years. And actually, this is something I want to bring up. I talked to you a little bit about it online. I don't know how often you get to chat with people you've had a direct influence over. But yeah, I got to tell you, man, your bass playing on Wig Out at Den Coast, that's, of course, Dag Nasty. This had a huge impact on me. I mean, that bass just, just drives that whole album, in my opinion. And it had an influence on how I wrote the Even Steven early morning punk song album. Um mm. If we could just dive right into Dag Nasty and just talk about the bass playing on that, because I thought it was pretty fucking well, amazing. Okay, well, first off, thank you. That's very that's nice of you to say. And and I will go one step backwards in saying that I play intentionally a very minimalistic approach to bass. Now that does not mean that I'm devoid of like what was going on in Motown or other places. I'm super knowledgeable of it but mm -hmm. for for me i was uh always trying to follow very very steady lines um a la the cure a la joy division a la the ramones and those are for me kind of like where i pull most from when attacking a punk song that's kind of it so it, it is it's not really something that I, 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 you know, some people may be interested in it or no, but I, I can play many, many, many notes, but I intentionally choose to find a very, very straight line and then have the melody of the vocal ride around that. That's, kind That's a of, good phrase, straight line. <laughs> you know, and, and does that mean that people who are very, very, like, I'll use this as, as a, here's a very dumb example. Carl, Descendants, phenomenal songwriter, phenomenal bass player, Tony, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But when I play uh, that style of music, I play it straighter than they do, and it just, it just leans differently. Not better, mm -hmm. not worse, just has a different, uh, just a different track, you know, <laughs> just a different, different thing where I'm really trying to lean almost like to build this very solid foundation for the vocal to kind of maneuver around and that's that's the, that's that trip that's that world and i know and i know doug I, I thank first of all like nick said thank you 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 had a direct impact on me i don't know how many nights like i i, I went to frostburg state university and me and nick are both from southern maryland from charles county so mm -hmm. i don't know how many times i listened to field day going up and down that up in those mountains it just staying awake, listening to those to to that album and uh, wig out at Denko's. I don't know how many times like I I wore those tapes out, and um, well, that, I, I, much appreciated. Oh well, thank you. I I appreciate it too. And it's also here's here's what's fascinating. I'll ask both of you this because here mm -hmm. we go. Was was 
field day, your intro to the band was wig out your intro or was can I say your intro? So go around the horn. Who wants to answer first? Um, wig out was mine. Field day was pretty good. Can I say I'm honestly not a huge, huge fan of. Interesting. And you, sir? My, mine was field, field day was my favorite. Um, right. Wig out. I mean, I, wig out was really good, but field day was, I don't know why it was, but it was, right. fun, it's funny how you get that disparity. Um, Cause mm. I know I could talk to 10 people and five of them would say, oh, you know, field day was, it was not my cup of tea or whatever. But then right. five sure. others would say, oh my gosh, that album was so right. That album was so ahead of their time. It, it, it's funny. Cause oh, like I used to tell people like when like, I don't know when like the early 2000s came about and you had all those bands that were doing a lot of the post emo screamo type stuff. And I was like, man, if you like that, you need to go and listen to Dagnastic Field Day because they, they wrote the board right. plan for all of that stuff. <laughs> right. And, and that's, it's, it's funny that you mention it because here's what I'm learning. So for, I guess like for people who are maybe tuning in and they're like, who is this guy and what is this guy doing? Um, as of the last year, Peter and I are doing an offshoot of Dad Nasty called Field Day. And basically, what we love, we love those songs. And we both played and sang on Wig Out, and we both played and sang on Field Day. And we're doing this new project called Field Day. And we're leaning for a minute, we're leaning into those two records pretty heavily. And then comes yeah. around, you know, probably by 2020, I am a writing guy so for example peter will be here in los angeles tomorrow and he and i will be doing a show but we'll also be doing demos and so he and i both write a lot peter is a master wordsmith in my opinion mm -hmm. uh oh and yeah so we're yes, we're pretty you know we're going pretty you know pretty balls to the wall as far as that goes but now i'm going to go backwards and kind of answer the question. What I'm learning now in the rollout to this new project field day is that um, there are a lot of people whose entry point to Dagnasty was field day. And then they worked their way to wig out. And then they worked their way to can I say. Now, mm -hmm. for a guy that was in the band, okay, I know these things. David, Dave, was only in the band for like eight months. Okay. Sean had never recorded anything. And wow. Peter, Peter was the guy that did most of the touring. So a lot of people, when they think Dagnasty, if they saw it touring uh, in the eighties, they're, they, they see Peter is the guy, like that's the guy. They didn't mm -hmm. get to see a ton of Sean's shows unless they were in the DC area. And they wouldn't have been able to see a lot of David shows unless they were on the East coast or maybe up in Canada and so forth. So Peter's kind of the guy. And so it's fascinating to me to find there are people that are, um, I parallel it to black flag where it's like, I grew up in Hermosa beach, California, um, mm -hmm. home of the mighty black flag. And I am like hands down. Des is my guy. That doesn't right. mean that I don't love Ron or Keith or Henry. Oh, I love it. But, Dez is the guy for me. And, and I think that when it comes to Dagnasty singers, there are some people that like they're Peter guys and they love Peter. And then there are other people that love Sean and there are other people that love. Yeah, Dez, I'm definitely a Peter yep. guy. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of that is great, but the reason why Peter and I are rolling this project out and calling it Field Day is so people know which guy is showing up. That's it. I, I don't know you. if you wanted to know that, but now you know. You go, oh shit. So this way it doesn't really people know they go oh it's it's peter and doug that's it's interesting let me guys. jump in here real quick though mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. comes to playing with peter again and doing these songs a second time around what's the energy level like is it more intense than it was back when those albums first came out or is it like same old hat well if you mean intense meaning like the punkers jumping off the stage or do you mean like how we're playing it um, I guess a little bit of both, but more so how the okay. energy is being fed I, back to you from okay. the audience. So I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and this is what I'm about to say is a very gnarly statement. Ready? And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. The 2019 band is fucking insane. It may be better than the 1987 band or 88 band. It's oh, fucking wow. gnarly. So... And I and I and I'm I can say that, and I was the guy that was there. (laughs) It's pretty nuts. The difference is, Peter and I, like just you know, knowing what's going on, Peter and I do not phone it in. We love the songs, and so we've taken Mm -hmm. a great deal of time. We almost respect it and treat it as if we're curators, for lack of a better word, where. you know, we love those songs and we, we want to do them justice and play them to the best of our ability and go right. above that. So that's kind of what it is. Another fantastic phenomena that I'm learning is there are a certain contingency of people, not a lot of people, but a certain contingency of people who are almost spooked out about coming to see the band because in their minds, though, they just don't want it to be shitty. Right. And uh, so they're like, what, yeah, if, yeah. what if I go out there and they suck? Right. And so I didn't know that that was a, a real emotion that people have. But sometimes, you know how sometimes things are bigger in your mind than when you see them. Like, I don't know, maybe your neighborhood that you grew up in, you go, oh, that baseball field was huge. And as a kid, but now it's like, it's so small or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. There's oh, a yeah. Small oh, yeah. Contingency. There's a small contingency that are really, um, a little bit, a little gun shy. Now on the audience side of it, all I can say is, boy, people love singing safe and all ages show. And, you know, they love singing those songs. So there's a lot of sing-alongs. Um, and so I would say the energy is a lot the same and then different just because everybody's a little bit older and a little bit more reflective, maybe, you know what I mean? A little bit more reflective on, on that material. So when, kind of a bit of both. When you look at that sea of people, is it a lot of people from those days, from the actual Dag Nasty days in the mid eighties? Or are you seeing people who got turned on to Dag Nasties afterwards and then coming both. back and saying, I can finally see them live. Both, both. So I would say there's definitely heads from before, right? That like, you know, saw, you know, saw the band at city gardens or whatever it is. And then there's a, you know, there's a contingency of people that are brand new and, and they, again, you know, way uh, you run into people sometimes that are, let's say like music nerd, you know, music history people, and they Mm -hmm. drill down and they go, Whoa, what is this band? And they kind of, 
you know, they listen to Rise Against, and then from there they look at their influences, blah, 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 blah. or they look at Pennywise and what are their influences. Blah, blah. So if you, if you, I think for some people, there's are there are there are a pretty good contingency of people that are almost like music collectors that are that are awestruck that the band is playing live, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to describe that other than to say it's a little bit of both. You know, All right. some new heads and some old heads. And and like Doug, I got a question. Just to have you on, and 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 to go back to what you were saying, how you see things uh, differently. You know, when you go back mm-hmm. to them, and 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 Nick and I, we've had uh, art. You know, we've had artists from Chicago on. We've had artists from all over the country, but we uh, and we've had uh, you know Kim Coletta from Jawbox on from DC. Mm-hmm. But I never got to ask her. But I want to ask you. How was the DC scene in the late mid to late 80s? How was that? Okay. In my mind, it's like all of these legends that come out of there, and I'm just like, man. Right, because we came late, like mid 90s, right. Adele. Yeah, we came so like I, yeah early mid 90s. Yeah. I'll tell you what my experience was. First off, gotcha. I am I am totally in. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit further back on the clock when I was probably 17. Fletcher and I from Pennywise, he and I were, you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood. He and I would listen to the Minor Threat 7-inch back-to-back all the time. I mean, we were just shocked at how fast they could play. It was amazing. Okay, so snapshot a few years later, when I met Ian, I was kind of in shock because that was very different music, you know, coming out of D.C., now, moving forward, you know, so I have a great deal of respect, like, for the D.C. scene. Now, for me being in D.C., they fucking hated me. They oh, wow. hated me because I was a guy. I was an outsider. So in D.C., if you – I'm not a D.C. Um, – uh, I guess you could say like a D.C. Uh, historian. Uh, You know, but the D.C. scene was kind of like originally, what, 150 people, 200 people. Mm -hmm. And then as it expanded, everybody else was kind of under a great deal of (laughs) you were a suspect, you know, and then Uh, as it started to branch out into the. So I don't fault the D.C. people, the original kind of like that hardcore group of people, the first 100, 200 people. I don't fault them, but I was straight up an outsider and so they wow. did not like me at all i was like i was the devil because i <laughs> i believed Jeez. in doing things like hey maybe we should try to get paid for this show like we got how are we going to put gas in the car where right the dc the dc people and i do not fault them but they're more about like doing benefits and only playing shows for themselves and doing shows where we're not even going to make a flyer. We're just going to do it all this a backyard party for our friends. So they, they positioned it as a very elitist uh, subculture. And Mm -hmm. sadly that kind of is what, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Just like, that's what it was like. But my experience, I was the red haired stepchild with freaking. I was not welcome in that crew at all. They hated me. Wow. That is an amazing piece of history. Wow. It's crazy to think today because everything's so interconnected. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I don't fault anybody, but I wasn't one of the – I grew up in Hermosa Beach. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm, I, I was – they looked at me as I was more of a Descendants guy and a West Coast guy, and I wasn't gotcha. part of that inner circle. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do? It's just – it is what it is what it is. You know what I mean? But – there yeah. it is. Boom, 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 boom. I don't fault any of those people at all. They're, you know, they've always been pleasant enough, but I was definitely like, you know, on the outside, I, I, I'm freaking outcast, you know, total outcast for that scene. <laughs> Let me shift gears here real quickly. And I'm going to kind of recycle this question. Cause I asked um, Dave Smalley this question as well as somebody who's played in a bunch of different projects. And we had Scott Hill from Fu Manchu on here not long ago, and he's been in the same band for 30 years, basically mm-hmm. kind of in the same genre of music. And then you have cats mm-hmm. like you and Dave that are involved in so many different types of projects what do you think keeps somebody in one place playing music, and that's totally awesome, and somebody like mm-hmm. you who's always looking for the next big thing? Uh, I don't know. What would make an astronaut get into a freaking capsule and shoot out into the sky? Maybe that's the same thing, the same thread, you know, trying mm-hmm. to charge ahead and learn new things, uh, trying to explore new creative ideas. Um, I would say I can only speak for myself. And I am just as hyper and spastic and amped up about playing rehearsal tonight as I was when I was 15. So I don't know what that is. And there are times where all of a sudden I kind of look down, I go, this is kind of whack. And I just want to move into something new or try something new. My own punk flip on it, my own alternative flip on things. And that's it. You know, I, I, I'm an explorer, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm oh. an explorer. I'm going to, I'm going to keep navigating. So maybe I'm a, maybe I'm an astronaut of music. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As somebody though, has gone from punk rap country, like you've been all over the board. Do you have a favorite genre or is it kind of like wherever you are at that point in your life is what you gravitate towards? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that sometimes wherever I am in my life, but but I, I love music. Like I love all kinds of different styles of music. And, right and I don't on. really like to be, I, I don't really like to be pigeonholed into one specific thing. Um, gotcha. And so for me, I really, um, wow. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a bit of like, you know, I'm excited. I'll go do, I, I do what I call deep dives where I'll like do a deep dive into reggae and dub. And I won't listen to anything forever. And I'll just be like deep dive in that world. And then I'll pop my head up and I'll be like, holy shit, I love the Ramones. And I'll do a deep dive back into like, you know, 70s punk rock. And then I'll pop my head up and I'll say, wow, I haven't listened to Miles Davis in a long time. And then I'll do a deep dive into jazz. And, and that's, that's, awesome. You know, that's, that's awesome. That's me. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's just kind of it. You know what I mean? I, with no, with no, um, sometimes, um, Maybe it has to do with the lunar cycles. You know, I don't I <laughs> know. I just, <laughs> I do know that I, I am, I do know that I freaking love a good pop song, like a, like a, like a, a well-crafted pop song, whether it is a, you know, a descendant song or whether it's a 999 song or a Ramon song or all the, you know, people that are work a Billie Eilish song, people that are working in pop formulas now, nice. uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
something something that uh, I was thinking about in the car today um, is that, and a lot of people they may or may not know, but I am a gigantic craftwork fan, and I became nice. a fan of I became a fan of craftwork because I thought the same kind of like do it yourself punk attitude that Black Flag had they had toward electronic music where they were just doing, they were so far ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. so far advanced in what they were trying to do melodically with pretty primitive equipment for the time. And that was very um, inspirational the same way the Minutemen were inspirational, the same way Descendants were inspirational where you're like, we're Ramones, you know, I mean, the Ramones is still something that I talk about at the dinner table where I scratch my head and I'm like, I can't believe how good the band got when they were so rough at the beginning. They're really raw, you know, just trying to learn their instruments and goddamn, they could write a pop song. And then yeah, later it, it, in my adult life, as I'm, you know, going through the grocery store or whatever, I'll stop and I'll be like, holy shit, they're playing Ramones over the loudspeaker. And yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have does. thought that in a, in a zillion years. <laughs> I remember the first time you know? I heard Jawbreaker in a fucking Applebee's and I asked the right. waiter, I was like, holy shit, they're playing Jawbreaker? And that music right. is programmed right. like from corporate. It's not something right. some kid put on. It's from the corporate radio station. Right. It's And so, you know, so those are the things that um, when you're, you know, like yourselves, where you're, you guys are open to new music and opening to open to listening to new things. Sometimes you happen to be ahead of the curve of mm-hmm. stuff that eventually it takes a long time for people to kind of um, catch on to, or, or, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the, maybe three bands deep their influences and then somebody says oh yeah it was jawbreaker that's where you know who i really love or whatever you know so that's always fascinating but i i I do think that when um you know if you're open to music and open to good music you're at least willing to to i don't know try try to hear something try to hear the good in things you know so let me ask you a question. This is my own fucking morbid curiosity here as a middle-aged punk guy. I'm 48. I know you've probably got mm-hmm. four or five years on me. When I look back at my past, all the different things, all the different places I've lived, I have to kind of put things in eras, or I can't mm-hmm. keep the lineage of it all straight. Everything starts to look like a blur to me. And you've been involved in so many projects. And I've read interviews with you, and you just, you're so sharp. You're so on point. Yeah. How do you keep everything straight and kind of unified in your head, being involved in so much, looking back at all that? Um, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I guess I, I'd imagine that it's, um, it's a bit like a, a, a long train, and I'm in the engineer car way at the front, and there's all these cars that are projects, albums, things, songs that I've written. And I'm, and I'll turn back like a conductor and I'll look back and I'll see way, you know, 27, 28 cars back. You go, shit, car 75. I remember (laughs) that one, you know? So sometimes I'm just as in awe about it as anybody else, but how do I keep it straight? Um, I don't know. I just, it's, I'm sure, you know, my, I don't know. I just, I just seem to remember and, and, 
I, I just seem to, I, I don't think that I have like a photographic memory, but I do have decent, decent enough recall, um, you know, where I can kind of say, yeah, I remember that tour, or, you know, I remember that show, or I remember but things But as you like hurdle that, you know? towards old age, you break, like, I break up an era. I'm like, oh, I remember that. Those were, like, my Waldorf days, or those were my Pittsburgh days. Are you, like, those were my Cottonmouth King days? Are you breaking the stuff up in eras like I kind of do? Nah, it's just all me. It's, 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 it's just one gigantic juggernaut. You know what I mean? I don't wow. know. Wow, hats know. off to yeah. you. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't even break it. I'm, I told you, I'm the same spastic guy I was at 15. It's the same guy. You know, it's just, I've had more experiences now. You know, you go, but people... That's fucking beautiful. It really I don't is. even know how to describe it. That really is. I don't, know how to de- I don't know how to describe it other than, like, I really, truly am the same. There's more of me that's the same than not, and I have more experiences you know, because you travel more and you meet more people and all you raise families and just more files end up in your head, you know, more experiences you travel. But the, the essence of where I have a tendency to find the humor in things, the essence of me also sometimes being a lone wolf, the essence of me loving the ocean, you know, a lot of those things really don't change, you know, they're, they're, and that's why like for Peter and I, it takes us about 20 seconds to get back into the groove of where we are because we both uh, enjoy hanging out with each other. And we have a lot, he, his memory is a little fuzzier than mine. Mine's pretty clear, but we, you know, we just kind of get right back to it. And so when I speak to people that may be like, I don't know, whatever, you talk to somebody that you did a show with a billion years ago, I can very easily jump right back into the, into the groove just cause it's, I'm the same, <laughs> I'm the same person, you know, but you know, the good and bad, I'm the same person. <laughs> All right, we got to get you out of here. This has been amazing. I've got to finish up with one thing though, that absolutely yeah. floored me field day 2020 coming out with a new album. Are you guys trying to recapture that old dag nasty vibe or are you kind of starting off with a blank sheet of paper and just organically seeing where this new album goes? Um, I, I'm going to say that, well, I'm, I'm going to correct one thing. There's definitely going to be new music. I won't promise it to be a full length. I know that there's going to be like a seven inch or an EP or something like that. So full transparency, that's what's going on there. And then the second thing is um, you will know within a hundredth of a second that you go, holy shit. That's the guy that sang out on sang on wig out. You'd be right there. So um, some of it fast, some of it's mid tempo. I mean, I've heard the term melodic hardcore. I've heard all these different terms, but you know, Peter brought something to the dad nasty line, and I'm going to use the word fragile, fragile, where it was like these roaring guitars over a fragile approach to vocal. And I think it's going to be like that. Um, we're not going to do a salsa record. It's definitely going to be <laughs> punk rock. And you'll be you'll no be mariachi music. I'm so disappointed. Yeah, no mariachi music. Oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're not going to do any mariachi music on this one. You know, we're saving that we're saving that for the cruise ships. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be punk, it, it, you know you'll you'll know it's you'll know it's it's punk rock and you'll know you'll know what it is. 
Well, you know, and let me say this God. going out the door, man. Exercise, that was the first song I ever taught myself on bass. First punk song. I was playing Maiden before that. But first punk song I ever taught myself on bass was Exercise. And just that, like I said, the hard driving rhythm and where Peter's kind of like talking over the bass and it's like, and just that little variance of where you go right. off and then come right back as if nothing had happened. Th that was the world to me. And that really affected my bass playing. Well, thank you. You know, it, it, it again, it's, it, it's, um, I, I have a, I have a particular way I go about it. You know, everybody plays, you know, everybody plays an instrument their own way, you know, even though it might be a bass with four strings and blah, 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 blah. Everybody has their own unique style. Look at the way Flea plays, you know, I mean, everybody oh, plays yeah. their own way mm -hmm. and you play your way and that's what's phenomenal. And I play my way and that's, what's great. And I have a tendency to really choose super straight linear lines um, almost to a fault. And sometimes it can be confusing. You're like, where am I in the song? <laughs> you know, where, where am I? But that's what that is. And then slight, you know, slight deviations. That's it. It's just. But less a, is more. I always call it lunch make, pail music. It's cash and carry yeah. lunch pail music. And that's what I gravitate towards because I yeah. think that's, you're saying something without having to like ram it down somebody's throat with a ton of metaphors. And you're just, you're relating to somebody on such a basic level that that's what right. punk's about for me, at least. Well, well, here's, I'm going to give you, what you're saying then opens up another idea. I've heard that Iggy Pop doesn't write songs with more than 32 words. He'll repeat wow. a word, but he won't do more than that. Now, you know other writers that might write a song, and it's a billion words. I lean, as I said at the top, in an area of minimalism minimalism when it comes yes. to the song so what are the what's the least amount of notes that i can play to support the song and the vocal it ain't the doug show meaning i could solo bass but mm -hmm. who wants to hear that like i'm gonna let oh, i don't know billy sheehan or, or christian mcbride or no you know, chance you're going with less claypool yeah yeah, you know, there's all kinds of people that that's, you know, Mike Watt, that's their world, really, really busy and crazy. Beautiful. I can appreciate that. I lean in trying to build the foundation with the least amount of blocks possible. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's like that. And, and that's what it is. It's, you know, that, that's we are on the same it. page. I, that's exactly you know, like, awesome. um, Do you know, like, uh, you know, Thelonious Monk, the piano player, right? The oh, wonderful yeah. writer. Okay, so Monk would look at songs in a what you don't play is cool. And I lean in that direction on it's, it's not me trying to distract from the melody of the vocal so everybody's looking at me. It's how can I not play so much to where the vocal is leading the show? How do you do that? And it's by discipline. It's by sometimes not playing. Freaking stop. <laughs> Don't play. <laughs> but that minimalism you know? really is the infrastructure in a way it wouldn't be if you were going spastic all over the fretboard. Yeah, no, well, you don't. It's, the, the, again, it's, it's kind of, come on, man. It's kind of like 
there are some vehicles that are made for their sports cars and they're like made to go really fast and zigzag around and take corners really fast. And then there are others that are like a fucking Mack truck that just holds Yeah, durability. You know what I mean? And so it's just both are going to get you from point A to point B, but they're very different vehicles. And I yeah, I'm not downing one over like the other. Train. I'm just saying what yeah. I personally no. connect with is that straightforward. Like I get this and I yeah, can feel it's a this. Train. It's yes. a train. It's just, it's like a train of thought. <laughs> All right, Doug, I've got to stop you. you I'm going to talk to you to fucking midnight. I want to thank you so much for being <laughs> yeah, on Doug, our inaugurary show. Please tell everybody where we can find you online and what field day has coming up. Okay, so here's we, here's we go, ladies and gents. We're going to be in Los Angeles uh, on Friday, August 23rd. We're going to be at the Viper Room. We're going to be back on the East Coast playing New Haven, Connecticut, on September 6th, we're going to be in Quebec City, Canada on the 7th. Then in November, we're going to do a double stop in Chicago. You can be there. We'll be in St. Louis after that. So 8, 9, Chicago, 10 in St. Louis. And then, believe it or not, we're going to be in Austin on the 13th of December. And on the 14th of December, we're going to be in Dallas. And that's going to close wow. out the year. If you want to track our, us down, you could just go to Facebook and type in Field Day or field day sounds either one field day or field day sounds and you'll probably get pointed to us and we always list the dates and stuff like that um and that's kind of where you can find us right there like facebook in the facebook world is really easy field day or field day sounds google it you'll find it it's really easy right on all right doug thank you so much for bringing in our new website we'll talk to you soon all right thanks guys i'll talk to you later
All righty, guys, our last guest of the evening I knew little about and even less about her band Brum style of music, <laughs> doom metal, but I quickly found myself transfixed from the normal bounds of what I thought metal was by her lyrics, which were profound. A girl who I think would show up in your nightmares just to bring you gingerbread cookies <laughs> and sing you a lullaby, Susie. Mick Mullen from Brum. She is here. Hello. Hello. Yes. Thank you for that introduction. Very we are finally together. You are our last guest on our inaugural episode, bringing in the new musical Osmosis website. Well, it's an honor. Thank you. Right on. Okay, let's do this. We're going to jump right in. We're a little bit on a time crunch. Full disclosure. Wasn't a fan of doom metal, sludge metal, however they classify these things now. <laughs> however, there was something about your the style and the aesthetic of Brum that really drew me in. Um, when you guys are working on <laughs> this craft, on this project, do you feel like the way the band presents themselves, the artwork, the simplicity of the artwork, of the lyrics, the whole package... Do you feel like that is as important as the music itself? Because that simplicity, looking at Rooster and looking at that artwork and then looking at your style online <laughs> and on the videos, that's what drew me in first. <laughs> and then I got oh, a board that's interesting. like, oh, I kind of get it. Is that kind of <laughs> an equal feature to you when it comes to creating such things? Yeah, you know, um, there's only three of us in the band. It's um, Jamie is a designer. I mean, he loves, you know, he's an artist and that's what he spends a lot of time doing. You know, Jordan is a videographer. He's visually stimulated as well. And I don't know, I dye my hair a lot of colors because I'm never, never satisfied. So I think that we all just, we all just kind of enjoy, um, making it all of it a part of us as I'm sure a lot of bands do it. Um, I would say that maybe the way we look and the way our design is, isn't really that doom metal E that's a adjective. Um, and uh, our style is like, you know, maybe just right there on the edge. Yeah, I'm sure there's a bazillion metal bands that, you know, go to our shows or we play with that we play mm -hmm. festivals with and they're like, wait, so, okay you think broom is metal? We're like, yeah, yeah they, they put us in the genre and we're pretty stoked. You know, we're all. But that's interesting though. And, you know, because I read a lot of metal bands, but our music might maybe somewhere like right there on the edge. I read a, a couple different articles, reviews with you guys. And it was like, Brum is not your typical doom metal, sludge metal. I kind of throw that in there. Doom metal band. What do you feel connects you to the doom metal scene? And how do you guys feel like you stand out and you're different from the doom metal scene? Because it's hard for people to put Brum in any kind of pocket. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's funny. When, I think all, all musicians kind of, once you start uh, getting classified in a group, you kind of almost feel a little pressure. And huh. sometimes, you know, in the punk rock and the metal scene, I guess, if you mm -hmm. feel a lot of pressure, you either, you know, submit because you want to be a part of a team or or you rebel because that's your natural sense. So in a way, you know, the more we get kind of pushed into a metal genre, the more we want to get soft and sweet and I think we'll <laughs> always be kind of sad and dark and heavy. But there's just this 
desire for some reason to rebel against it. We're like, yeah, let's just not even get heavy at all. Let's just make it <laughs> fucking sweet and sad the whole time. <laughs> you're just like you think, sitting in a What do you think the reaction would be? And you're never getting out. <laughs> what, what would you think the, the, like, if you came out and you just, you're like, hi, we're broom and everybody, because, and, and you came out with something like sweet and mellow, you know, melodic. And it was just like, what, what would you, what, what would the reaction, what would, I could imagine the look. You know, I, I, <laughs> totally, the people who know us roll their eyes, like, here she goes They'd be again. like, you serious? I mean, <laughs> fuck, what kind of metal band wants to be Tori Amos, you know, and this girl's rolling right. out with the piano, <laughs> you know. Um, it's a great question, and I will tell you, because our next show um, is going to be, uh, we're going to uh, play a lot of the, we have an album coming out in November ninth and our next show is in september and i'm going to play a few of those songs and uh okay. we're gonna see i mean one of them really is just me singing about uh you know being a girl <laughs> who, oh, in a, in a kind of crappy relationship playing the piano <laughs> i'm not even playing the bass or there's no distortion um and this hey. uh, beautiful cellist jackie is playing the um cello with me and uh, who's in a band called Gracie on, and she collaborated with me on uh, this album for this one song. And yeah, I would say it's not even kind of traditional metal, but you know, sometimes metal people like metal because it's heavy and they have yeah. a heavy heart and it's, it soothes your heavy, heavy heart. And sometimes the soothe that you want to get pissed and you want to go in a mosh pit, and you want to feel pissed with other people, even you might have a smile on your face, but you just want to let out aggression, you want to rub shoulders or knock heads, you know, and then sometimes you just want to fucking be sad, and that's okay, too, because that's heavy, too, to us, and maybe that's why it kind of translates to the scene. And also, and and I'm going to kind of give you full disclosure part, too, because you're really one of the most fascinating people I've ran across on this podcast, when I was checking out your videos to start with, I'm thinking, okay, this is a girl who's like in her mid-20s, um, obviously college-educated from the lyrics and the writing style, but I figured you were kind of mm-hmm. working in the gig economy, doing music full-time, and then when I dug in and saw you had this ultra- entrepreneurial history and that you own <laughs> a, a water conservation company called Trident, right? And uh-huh. then you Triton. equally well, we just rebranded Triton. the time and safe, but yes. <laughs> okay, and then you balance that against the music, and you're so immersed in these two completely different worlds, and you're doing them both so eloquently. And I'm like, damn, most people can't <laughs> do one of these things this well. How are you balancing living they in need those to two stop worlds? Sleeping. I mean, you can't you can't have yeah, to that what it is? sleep at the same time. These guys are wasting their so time overrated. every night. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I always talk about that. I love, I, I love all, I love both worlds. You know, I'm a, a nerdy, you know, scientist, math geek at heart, and I, I love it. And I love learning how things work. You know, it's just, I would do it if no one paid me. And some people just like to pay you for it. And I'm, I'm an environmentalist, so a lot of the work I do is either nice. energy or water conservation stuff. And then I also love music and. I think that if I just like, sometimes I'll be in a room for four days working on the same song and I hate it. You know, I walk out there and I'm like, fucking hate the song. I never want to listen to it again. The song's dead to me. I need to get out and like do something else and like let my brain go somewhere else. And 
sometimes it's fun to like solve other problems and then come back and like your brain's clear again and you can, you know, work on something that's, you know, personal or expressive. Do you, you feel know, like one is, is not directly it's just like doing it? Do you feel like one's directly influencing the other and vice versa that one couldn't exist as well without the other? For me, um, yeah. I think I, yeah, I think, gosh, I don't, I've really never thought about it. Let me think. Mm. I feel a lot of, I have like so many ideas in my head that I want to do and they're not always just music and they're not always, you know, how to save the earth. It's just like those ideas pop in my head and I feel a shit ton of anxiety until I do one. And it's, I don't really think it's any deeper than that. <laughs> I, I, and, and just going across, I know um, your, your, your influence and actually you've been playing with a uh, wino uh, from uh I you know, know. I love it when I get to play with my heroes. Yeah, and and the th cool thing is, is like Nick and I are from Southern Maryland, so we're right next to D.C. So I've been a big Wino fan, and Nick, you'll like this story, because um, it, it, it it's just funny how in the musical world everybody's connected. And I, I I truly believe that. So why I used to be in a Amen. Band yeah, I used to be in a band called the Fallen Ones, and um, the the gentleman that produced our records. Uh, Bruce uh, Falkenberg, he owned a studio called Phase and, um, in College Park. And Nick, you recorded there, and, and Onus and, and the Fallen One recorded there. Um, well, Bruce played bass in The Hidden Hand with Wino, which was another band that he was in. It was a really, really good band, Jeez. too. That yeah. is amazing. And, yeah, so it's funny like how when I was reading all this. We're all just going to orbit around each other and Susie, I know yeah. you. Why haven't you invited me over for barbecues? We're practically <laughs> neighbors. Yeah. I know. Well, shit, I don't barbecue. If you're coming to my house, we're gonna have jambalaya. I'm from Louisiana. There you go. I know how to do it right outside. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I thought it was so amazing when I saw the pictures and everything because Wino one, he's a phenomenal musician. And um and I think he's in in the in in the D C scene and, and probably in certain areas he's very well respected. I, I truly think that. Yes. I still think he's very yes. underrated as a musician. Two, he is one of the nicest persons you will ever meet in your life. Like I knew. I, I could walk I, up to him and I was like, hey, how are you doing? He's like, I'm Wino. And I went, I know. Yeah. And I yeah, him. One <laughs> like, of the nicest dudes so that I've ever met. No. I think so Great too. Guy. It's always nice. <laughs> you never know. You, you know, you can have these idols for a long time and you meet them and Sometimes next thing you know, you're either playing a show with them or you're writing music with them or you're, yeah. you don't like them anymore. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, he's kind of a butthead. <laughs> Usually, though, for me, it's always, I, I would say I, about 90% of my experience with people I've met through the shows, especially the ones that I had a lot of respect for going in, haven't disappointed me. I've only had a couple disappointments, so maybe I'm lucky. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say my disappointments are in the few and my fantastical experiences are in the majority. And what else and could we ask for as art artistic people? Let me talk about something real quick here. Song length. I am from the punk rock world. I used to be in a band, even Steven. If we did a three-minute song, we thought it was pushing it. It's like, what? what we're doing a three-minute song? I know, you guys are doing eight, nine-minute songs like I know, we're average. people. We play a show and we play three fucking songs. We're like, all right, well, this is our last one. They're like, well, you just got started. I'm like, don't worry, it's like 10 minutes. 
right? And like our first show in Odell, you remember this. Um, Dance and Skink went to the bathroom. Our first show was at Heisman. We had five oh, songs. Gosh. We played them in like seven minutes. And Skink came out. I was like, when are you going on? I was like, dude, you just missed our show. <laughs> our songs were so short. So we we're like the bizarro. Exactly. I just got a beer. Band. You're like, exactly. We just played a beer's worth. We're, we're done. <laughs> but here's the point. Me being totally ignorant of the new metal world, and this is what, what I noticed. I was watching some of the live videos. When you're playing these longer songs, is the audience, because we live in this fucked up Snapchat, 24-hour news cycle, zero attention world, fake, like, dank meme world, are, are they glad to be transfixed for nine minutes straight? And they're like, I could just be in this moment for nine minutes? And that's why... They don't just kind of go, oh, uh, I'm rocking to the song. It's like, oh, the butterfly. And they just trail off. Are we so desperate? <laughs> that would be nice. It would be like a little real life, like augmented reality video to our song if that did happen. Maybe you should release on oh, butterfly. Oh, follow on the stage. butterfly. Float into Bruce's music. <laughs> what do you think people are hungry yeah, I know for they are. That's I... why this works. No, I think sometimes it doesn't, to be honest. And sometimes it does. You know, you can play a really big show and people don't want it to end or a festival and it's at nighttime and everybody already did. They're like, you know, power metal and kicked each other's ass. And we might be like, you know, at 12 or 1 a.m. And it's kind of like the come down band. And they're all just kind of <laughs> sitting there like super stoked, not wanting it to end kind of eyes in the crowd. And then now sometimes, I get you know, it. you're playing like a shitty club and you're like, you played one song, this dude's like super into it. And then maybe you play your second song and you can see him kind of like come in out, out of it. He's like, well, you know, I'm just going to go grab a hamburger and come back. And the song will probably still fucking be playing. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, now I get on your like, Facebook why foot. you call it bummer music. It, it's clicking <laughs> now. And it's more of a feeling too, right? It's like, I know we, uh, you know, I played uh, with this band. Uh, they were like a doom band, uh, Jucifer. And, um, mm-hmm. And they, I, God bless them, they were so awesome. But she played through like 15 like Mesa Boogie bass cabinets. And I remember a couple of times we helped their roadie out, like lug those things up, 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 up <laughs> to different clubs to, to, to play and stuff. But um, it was more of an experience, it was more of a feeling because you could, I mean, it, you feel it. It's not like you're hearing it and you're also feeling it too so it it's is like, especially the bass you know you're gonna yeah. vibrate in your whole body and it, she just yeah. wants it to be a total experience and it does it, it, it is it's like you go there and um, you know you don't have a bunch of people waiting in line to snort coke or like hop themselves <laughs> up i mean you're going to a metal a doom metal show and people are stoned and they're chilling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so they're so kind of like there like they're there like vibrating with the bass and they're there just to kind of like get out of the real world and come into this world that's just you know everybody might be a little bit more sensitive and okay with expressing themselves and okay with being kind of calm about it and relaxing I mean it's really I wouldn't really call our music like party music and we play with party bands all the time you know party metal bands are like yeah like you're riding a horse like (laughs) you know and then we get up there and we're like god let's make these bitches cry (laughs) they need to know how to express themselves a little bit better i've never felt this before what is this (laughs) i think i got something in my eye yeah, 
right, let's shift right gears because we've got to get out of here. I want to talk about Rabbits, your upcoming album. What can we expect? And I couldn't find a release date. When's the album due for release? Are you still kind of working out those components of it? No, no, we we got it. We just need to get better at promo. We we're releasing <laughs> um, on November 9th. and All we right. have uh, we're doing it's our first album that we're putting out through Magnetic Eye Records. And in our small metal world, that's a huge deal because we've respected the hell out of this label for a long time. Their oh, uh, Magnetic cool. Eye Records is in um, is in New York, you know, um, I think upstate. I'm not sure where. You know, Louisiana girl, I moved to San Francisco. I don't fucking know geography. I'm like somewhere on the east side. We love New uh, Louisiana for sure. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I go out to New uh, Orleans every year for my birthday. It's a place that teaches you, when you're a musician, it's a place that teaches you, you know, you don't have to be the best musician in the world, or you can, or probably sitting next to the best musician in the world. Yeah. You just have to do it. You just have you to have Everybody, your mama, your grandmama, you don't need to be proficient on brass, even though half the city is, and you can turn over a bowl and like smack it and boom, you're in the band. It's awesome. That's it it. kind of gives you... Just like courage, I guess. It's like, oh, I can be a musician. I'm just going to, here, give me, hand me that thing. I'm going to play that right now. <laughs> We're going to make some noise, <laughs> give somebody some feelings, and that's it. So, anyway, Rabbits is coming out November 9th. It's going to be an awesome, um, uh, very different album than our last one. Not very, but moderately. There's going to be some, um, you know, 10 minute songs that, you know, hopefully take you on a journey of, of, what the song's about, you know, like a, a, a feeling story. And uh, there's going to be some sweet stuff. Like I said, there's a piano piece on there with, um, you know, Jackie, the cellist of Gracian. And uh, there's a, a song on there about what's going on today with politics. It's called Autocrat oh School. And it's, you know, I'm going to get political, whatever. You're like right by Ian McKay. You tell him I said, what's up? Oh, trust <laughs> me. I, I was in the political world. Yes. I oh, used to have yeah. a political oh, podcast yeah. and write for political sites for years. There's another thing I want to touch on, too. When you said your the lyrics on Rooster that was inspired by, some of those songs were inspired by your dreams. And I love this quote. You described them as your dreams, as clear, awful, and haunting. When you're writing yeah. for rabbits, is that coming from the same place? Or are you moving on and coming from a brand new place when doing a writing for this album? I mean, I have so many poems about bad dreams. You know, you like have bad thoughts or you have bad feelings and you write them down. And sometimes you just be like, okay, book, you fucking deal with that shit. I'm going to act like you don't exist and deal with like life and be okay. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I have. A lot of times, I don't know why, I have a lot of bad, a lot of people have bad dreams, but I don't know why I have to fucking remember, like, every minute detail. And so I wake up, and it's like all these awful situations that happen in my dreams, I just write them down to get them away and out of my head so I don't have to obsess. And then they just they turn into, like, you know, two pages, practically, of, like, poetry. And so a lot of that gets turned into songs, because I just want to, I want to get it away, like, is rabbits coming people. from that place, or are you coming yeah, from a different rabbit, place? Let's, so you are cool. Rabbit, rabbit will have one song that's coming from that place too. And blue, I mean, gosh, there's two songs like Blue Jay. Autocrat's fool is just me being angry, right? Just like I'm pissed and I'm like in, I'm coherent and I'm mad and I'm not mad at stupid egotistical politicians who just are power hungry and greedy because that's fucking people. I'm mad at right. everybody else 
who are propping them up. Yes, so a, I always say know, it's not yeah. Trump. It's the people who empowers them and the people well, that empower him, him so he'll oh, empower yeah. them back. Knocking everyone in the fucking face. <laughs> you know, that's Louisiana style. Like, yeah. Grow your own fucking food and learn how to hunt and stop being so damn reliant on other people. And you could probably grow nuts back and figure out how to think for yourself. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like that. Exactly. Bro. That's a tall exactly. order today. Let me finish up with this last saying. Um, donkey, okay. rooster, now rabbits. Are you trying to follow a theme here as far as the aesthetic <laughs> of the band and the names? Or is this something you're like, hey, we're locked into this? Or is this organically where this journey has been taking you? We wanted Donkey to be our name, our original name. And we all three of us were standing in the room. I said, wouldn't it be funny to get on the mic and be like, hi, we're Donkey. And they're like, yeah, Donkey's hilarious. And then we're like, no, we like broom. It's like fog. It's like the French word for mist. Slow and you know, dreary, like our songs. Like, okay, that's cooler, but we'll name our album. So <laughs> Jordan was like, but can we at least name our album Donkey? And we're like, yes. From now on, Jordan, the drummer, you can name all the albums. Because I write all the lyrics. I mean, I've expressed myself enough. And, you know, Jamie writes a lot of the really massive, awesome riffs. And so, and I mean, Jordan's a fucking awesome drummer, but we're like, you know, we want you to have a voice on this album. So every time there's an album being named, you name it. And we just ask him, like, okay, what's this one going to be named? He's like, rooster and he got this huge rooster tattoo on his chest so like maybe two days after that we were like okay it's rooster <laughs> I, I guess that's what and it then is. this one came out and i was like well we got donkey we got rooster what are you claiming for this album yeah it has nothing to do with our songs nothing to do with our song title only has to do with whatever the fuck jordan wants jordan gets right so jordan's like rabbits but with an s we're like cool so no chance like after rabbits it'll be like the collective spiritual acknowledgement of the universe's cosmic <laughs> uniform standard like it, but all in an acronym <laughs> right yeah acronyms great. are the Figure best alright we've no, got to get out of here we are way way okay. over time I want to thank you no. for making yeah, our inaugural so episode on our new site special and please tell everybody where we can find you and what you've got coming up Oh, thank you. Um, you can find us in San Francisco, but you can find our album anywhere on Spotify, um, you know, iTunes, Apple, Google, whatever. And you can go to broomband.com if you want to buy an album, or you can buy it from Magnetic Eye Records. Um, it's going to drop November 9th, and it's called Rabbits. Thanks right for having on. me, guys. Awesome. That was so much thank fun. Thank you so much. Good. Absolutely. I'm glad you had a great time. We had a blast. <laughs> All right, cool. Wow.